American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Now, the integration of markets and the process of competition uh, that leads to the dominance in some markets of individual corporations, uh, the sort of monopolization of particular markets. This process requires uh, and generates a lot, of, um, a lot of financial market activity, let's put it that way. There are a lot of bonds and stocks being sold. Uh, the velocity of that trading is much higher than it was before the Civil War. You really see the development of something that looks more and more like the stock market as we know it today. And that's, that's a significant uh, development um, because, as we know, uh, the American economy is going to get more and more financialized at particular points in the 20th century. And we're going to start to see that as a big part of what capitalism is. It's not just producing things in factories. It's also uh, buying and selling on the financial markets, investing, uh, and so on. But it also brings up another question because the processes I've been talking about, integration, uh, transformations in technology, these bring up metaphors that seem really rational to us. Well, of course, Standard Oil is going to be able to undercut the, their competitors. They have enough efficiencies in their process of production that they can sell a gallon of kerosene for maybe two cents less than the other. That sounds uh, very rational. Uh, we also use metaphors uh, that really come from Darwinism, right? Uh, so eventually we're going to have a process of competition that leads to the fitter corporations weeding out each other. But at the heart of the financial processes that are helping to power and develop these changes is something that really isn't quite so easily described as rational. And all of the critics uh, and all of those who praise uh, capitalism typically want to describe capitalism as rational. But when we look a little closer at what happens in financial markets, what we actually see is a continuous process of creating new ways to gamble. And gambling is really, ultimately, not a rational process. All right, to understand what I'm talking about, let's look a little closer at the Chicago grain markets. Because when we look at those, we're going to see that the very process of rationalizing and making markets more efficient creates this pressure or this desire uh, to introduce new ways of, of actually making things less rational and maybe less efficient. In the Chicago grain markets, because starting in the 1850s you've got these integrated transportation networks that are bringing large quantities of uh, grain together uh, to be sold, you have a process that I described a few minutes ago as commodification. Grain instead of being sold in sacks labeled with individual owners' names, which allows buyers to um, use their knowledge about which farmers maybe make the best quality grain. Instead of, instead of uh, being kept together by the farmers, grain is now put in big silos. It's classified in uniform ways, and it's sold in uniform units. So no longer is there going to be uh, any sort of insider knowledge uh, about which farmer makes the best grain. No longer is there going to be any guessing about what's inside the sack. Now, 
a quantity of number one grain is simply number one grain. You know what you're getting. Likewise, because the telegraph now brings information from New York and other places, and eventually from across the ocean, directly to the Chicago grain market. Buyers know exactly what the current price of grain on those other markets is. They no longer have to guess, they no longer have to predict, they no longer have to play the role of a, a sort of a prophet or a seer to understand what price they're likely to get when they resell that grain. So now there's no way to sort of gamble uh, using uh, expectations of the future. And finally, with the railroad, which brings the grain very, very rapidly across the country, that lessens even, uh, even um, further the role of gambling about the future in uh, the activities of the buyer on the grain market. So sometime in the 1850s, some genius at the Chicago Board of Trade comes up with the idea of buying and selling future grain, grain that you're going to have to uh, give to somebody at a certain price in the future or buy from them at a certain price in the future. And there are all kinds of permutations of, of, of this process. But essentially, two major types of gamble emerge. One is to take a long position in which you're betting that the price of grain is going to rise in the future. The other is to take what's called a short position, and then you're betting that the price of grain is going to fall in the future. Once these kinds of gambling are introduced into the market, what you see is a continued rise in activity in the market. More and more buying and selling, more and more money entering the market, and many of these kinds of processes also become more and more common in stock exchanges like the New York Stock Exchange. So a lot of economists will tell you that what happens in financial markets is inherently efficient. Capital is being allocated to the people who can use it the best or who want it the most and are willing to pay the highest price for it. And so what looks irrational is actually a rational process. But I think that's actually an open question. When you see all of the gambling, uh, the rapid rises and collapses in the prices of particular commodities in the Chicago Board of Trade in the late 19th century and increasingly in other financial markets as well, I think we do have to, to ask the question whether what's happening is ultimately a rational process. But there's no denying that the financial markets and their increasing complexity, the increasing amounts of capital that are being bought and sold and moved around through their agency, that all of this is part of a tremendous process of growth in the U.S. economy, and a key part. Over this period between 1865 and World War I, the U.S. rises to become the biggest economy in the world, and in many ways, the most advanced economy. And that would not have been possible without the activity and the inventiveness uh, and the innovation that we see happening on financial markets. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm -hmm.